Star Trek, The Search for Spock. Spoilers, they find him! We begin our film with... Last time on Star Trek. Here's some reuse footage reminding you that Spock's dead. But don't worry, we're on an action-packed adventure to undo any canon of consequence from the previous movie. Spock's in and David's out, everybody! Kirk is suffering from empty nest syndrome, Scotty is excellent at managing expectations, and McCoy is breaking and entering! Kirk finds him in Spock's sealed-off room. McCoy doesn't seem to know what he's doing, like he just can't make up his minds. Why did you leave me on Genesis, he says. Go to Vulcan, he says. And then he dramatically passes out into Kirk's arms. What could it mean? Kirk thinks that McCoy has lost his mind, but really he's just found Spock's. Some lady who probably has backstory shows up in a fabulous outfit and hair, on a dingy little ship. She communicates with Christopher Lloyd, the least intimidating Klingon ever. He has a space puppy! It's a gross space puppy! After a transfer of files, he blows her up. Maybe? Either way, we don't see her again, and I think I see some rising action on the horizon. Upon arrival at the space dock, the crew of the Enterprise learns that the Enterprise is being retired and replaced by the Excelsior. Scotty scoffs. This newfangled bucket of bolts has got nothing on his ship. Also, the first rule of Starfleet is we don't talk about Genesis, because setting off devastating, unintended terraforming weapons have some political consequences. Also, Spock's dad shows up in an NPC kind of way to initiate a quest and info dump about the Vulcan not-quite-death rituals. Christopher Lloyd is a close-talking Klingon. The file that hairdo got him was apparently a little info movie narrated by Kirk about the Genesis project. Guess what? He wants it! And off to Genesis they go. But wait! David's son of Kirk is already there exploring the planet with Savik. The captain of the science ship they're on is weird. or bad at acting! If the ship hadn't been blown up by the Klingons a moment later, I would have thought he was up to something. But no, he's just dead. The Klingons take Dave, uh, David, Savik, and Spock prisoner. Oh yeah, they found Spock on Genesis? I mean, he was tiny and apparently had no thoughts and was rapidly aging with the decay of the planet, but hey, we can't have it all. After hijacking the Enterprise and sabotaging the Excelsior, the gang escapes from Starfleet to rendezvous and save the day on Genesis, pulling Spock out of the planet's grasp precisely at the same age as Leonard Nimoy. Convenient. But David died somewhere in there. Both the Genesis and the Klingon problems kind of resolve themselves as the planet implodes. Now to Vulcan we go to put Spock's brain back in his body. And here we end with the crew just as it was. Spock's alive, McCoy is alone, and Kirk has no known living offspring. And the adventure continues. Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock. Okay, cool. I mean, it's kind of like right there in the title. Again, 
I just watched this movie. We were talking about this in the break before this. Could not tell you what it was about. <laughs> Again, it's, it's in kind the of title. Right like, there. but there's so much more. Is, is there? There's some, <laughs> there's some stuff, but like the central point is right there in the title. Yeah, I guess. And, and oh, like, I have to say, like my biggest overriding feeling about this is that I don't care so much about Spot coming back as I do about David being dead. <laughs> <laughs> And he is just, like, shanked like a little bitch. I don't, not only is he dead, not only is he shanked like the little bee that he is, his work is completely, like, torn yes. to pieces, yes. and he's yes. exposed as yes. a shit scientist yes. who does not listen to, like, the rules. Uh, or not basic even just ethics. That. Ethics, yeah. Ethics, and it doesn't work. And yeah. it literally yeah. explodes in his face. So he's a failure both scientifically and morally. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do feel like, bad for his... and facishly. I do feel bad for his mother, though. Even though she well, isn't actually in the movie. That's the one problem that I have with this movie, is that it seems to give David way too much credit for the Genesis Project, yeah. and his mm-hmm. mom gets mentioned never? Yeah. I don't think ever. Why no. did they write the character out for this movie? Like, why wasn't she bad, I think too? she had another job. Yeah. But, okay. like, yeah. I also, I am choosing to believe that she looked at what happened and went, oh, this was a terrible idea, I'm disavowing all knowledge of it, and mm-hmm. just fucked off to Risa, Fair. I guess. I, I think that this movie was also plagued by people who had other things to do, like Christy Alley, Christy yeah. who was like, I would like more money, and they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> would Kuro place you with another big-haired lady? No problem. <laughs> Um, but I think you are right that she probably had another job. Yeah. Uh, William Shatner fought a fire on this set. Yep. Yes. Whoa! Uh, what? Yeah. What yes. caught fire? Something on the bridge? Par- yeah, the Paramount yeah. lot caught fire or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and so he went to, I assume he like ripped his shirt off and went to the fire. And afterwards when he was asked- My moment is here! Yes. When he was asked, he wasn't so much about like being heroic. He's just like, yeah, I, I can't have production delayed because I go, I have to go work on DJ Hooker soon. <laughs> Amazing. Which is a great Shatner moment. But yeah, Carol Marcus. Poor, poor. Yeah. Carol Marcus. She's got a real raw deal out of everything that is happening here. Well, no, because now her crappy son is dead. Yeah. And her project's, <laughs> like, problems in that it blew up mm. all get ascribed to her son. So mm-hmm. I think, actually, she gets out of it pretty well. She probably doesn't see the son dying as a benefit. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. Wouldn't she? Well, it's probably because she was having sex with him. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. We talked Thank about you. this. It was all on David's side. Yeah, I don't think the actor though. The actor all on David. I think he yeah. had he had mommy issues. Yes, he did. He had major mommy issues. He put it mildly. <laughs> but the actor aged, and he looked better than he did in the previous movie. Not, I'm not saying not he good. looked attractive or anything, but he looked less like a wet fetus. <laughs> I don't know if he looked better, but he did look different. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we can say about everyone. This is what happens when you spend your entire childhood on space stations and never live on a planet. Mm. It's like a really sickly tomato plant. Yeah, that is what he looked like. He looked like a sickly tomato plant. (laughs) Yeah. His hair. Mm -hmm. His hair. Mm -hmm. I think you have to put that one on Kirk. Yeah, obviously yes, they were yeah. trying to match like yeah. Kirk's weird fro business with that. Do we think that was a wig or was that his real hair? That was, I think it was, it was too his, short to yeah. be. It was his real, real oh, hair. Yeah, it was not good. It was the eighties. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Yep, that's a fact I know about this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, who in this who in this room was actually born when this movie? Me. Nope. I'm 1984. <laughs> you were just barely born it's and at least didn't movie. exist yet. Nope. Well, it's my birthday great. movie. I was two and Ari was one. Yes. You guys are old. The Transformers cartoon series also came out 
as did I think Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good year. Mm. Vintage year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So anything about this Vulcan has ever been mentioned before? Like when they die, they don't really die. They stick their brain into someone, Not... and then that person climbs a mountain for them. Okay, no. so. I was wondering about this, too, because, like, not not before this in canon, they have not mentioned the Katra, but damn, did they ever talk about it later. Yep. Um, I don't think we ever get, like, the, the I'm just gonna hop a ride when I die thing again, but they definitely talk about the Katra and, and like, how mind-melding actually affects you and makes you a different person afterwards. Like, that's in the reboot movies, too, is that if you've mind-melded with someone, you both take a piece of each other. Is it? Yeah. Like that's how that I don't happened. Any of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the yeah. the canon really takes this concept of the Katra as part of the Vulcan soul. And, and what it, is it? It's, it's like the vul- It is the it is like an actual like if you could say it's a this, pattern, a physical soul. That's okay. what Vulcan Katra. It's is. an energy pattern, basically. Yeah. Um, in fact, Star Trek is actually surprisingly like pretty solid on the idea of if not an afterlife, then sort of an eternal soul because they basically quantify the idea of what a consciousness is in the sense that they're constantly having like human consciousnesses and other sentient humanoid consciousnesses like taken out of their bodies and put in other things or like transferred accidentally through transporter accidents or you know blip to other planes of existence or yeah sometimes body swapping so sometimes sometimes (laughs) sometimes often even i mean (laughs) Slightly above the average, but Every like... Every Wednesday. But usually it's treated as something scientifically recognizable. So to a certain point, Star Trek is actually pretty like, yeah, there's a sort of a thing as a soul. Like, there's a thing we can measure. There's a thing we can contain. Huh. And the Katra, I can't remember who it is. It's it's in Next Gen, I think, but I can't remember which medical professional or what um, talks about the, the Vulcan Katra and, and how they've tried to science it, but Vulcans are, of course really private about things, even when it might turn out to be really important. On bar. Yeah. Okay, guys. Guys, 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 guys. I'm rearranging my entire body so I can give my full attention to this. Let's no. talk about the amount of fingering in this movie. No. No. Well, okay. I, they're Vulcans. Okay, he is like 13. Oh, no. no. He's like, he's 17. He's like 17. Oh, oh, that makes it better. Which, okay, yeah. to be fair. Like, he looked like he was 13. I'm he looked like he right was now, 13. He was still way too young for a Vulcan to be going through Pond Fire. He was. That's Vulcans true. Vulcans don't go like, like, I mean, Vulcans age differently than people on Earth or whatever, mm-hmm. but we talk about their ages in, like, yeah. Earth years, blah, whatever. Vulcan men don't go through Ponfar until they're, like, in their 30s. Yeah, until they're quite a bit older. Although, in fairness, I don't think they established that until after that the original series canon. But Because like, people fingering 17-year-olds is uh, gross Okay, let's be perfectly clear for the people who haven't seen no, the movie that when not. we say fingering, <laughs> we do not mean what probably sprung into your mind. Vulcans are touch telepaths. So sure. anything as, as, as innocuous as holding hands is potentially very erotic. Uh, um, what we are talking about is fingering. holding up two fingers together and touching the two fingers together. Oh, it's not like no, there's no, definitely there's, there's so some erotic to stroking. It, yeah. it was that like was caressing. Yeah. Yes. No, it was like slowly up her finger yeah. and then like rounding the I'm just nub saying, of her finger. It's not the other kind of fingering. Is all I'm saying. I want it completely clear. Almost as difficult. It's to very watch. awkward. Like, the only way to describe what happened is finger. Yes. yes. I feel like there's probably an actual Vulcan name for it, but it doesn't exist uh, in canon yet, so. Okay, anyone notice that all of the alien languages sound like they're just being, like, reversed? Except they're not. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's, uh, it's just... 
They oh, were. Look, they, I did Alien. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely weren't as fleshed out as they get in later series because this is obviously when they're still being. The cleaning wasn't too bad. Trivia. Yeah. So apparently none of the actors could handle it. So they would just say something in English, and then the Mark What's His Face, the guy mm-hmm. who invented Klingon, would just kind of change the language to fit what their <laughs> mouth was doing because it was easier than going back and getting them to say it right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Which might explain why halfway through, the Vulcans just kind of switch over to English for mm-hmm. ease. Yeah. The Klingons do too, though. Like, they're alone on their ship yeah. and they're huddled together over a console and they're like, hey, Barry, what's that scan? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they still did that later on to a certain extent. It's like, there were some actors who were like, full fucking into this, like, no, I'm gonna do all my lines in Klingon. Like, the guy who played Martok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but some actors were like, oh, oh I'll try. I could DS9, much later. Okay. Um, <laughs> but some actors were like, oh, I don't know about this, guys. I, I mean, I'll try, but... And then so they give them, like, two or three lines for, for like, veracity, and then they just switch over to English mm. with the idea. And then there's all these weird conversations about why the Universal Translator isn't picking up some stuff, but is picking up others, but it's like, okay, let's just let... But not that's think about really that. the nerdiest conversation that we could be having at this moment. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the version that we all watched uh, did not <laughs> have subtitles for even though, the Klingon or the Vulcan. Even though I specifically <laughs> sought out versions that had subtitles. Did have subtitles for the English, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the fuck the point was of that. I'm going to... So helpful. Gonna, yeah. I mean, in fair... I mean, fortunately for most of the Klingon stuff, it was pretty self-evident. Mm-hmm. Was it? Well, okay. I missed uh, some key points of the, conversation. Yeah, I went yeah. and looked up the transcript so yeah, I could so get I. what they were like. And then I was reading it aloud in the living room as we were watching, but that's on you because you fell asleep. Only for five minutes, uh-huh. and then she rewound it and maybe watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd earn myself a blessed, blessed reprieve. Nope. <laughs> Did you not like this movie, Crane? I, okay. Uh, my big problem with this movie is that the villain is not interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, dull. I, I, yeah, I will agree that the villain was kind of pointless and everything, yeah. but mm-hmm. I actually really, I had a really good time watching this. I actually watched this movie all the way through instead of, like, crafting See, while I was Kim, I don't want to point fingers, but I feel like that was your problem for the second <laughs> yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, thing, the thing about this movie is, and it definitely is less interesting, like, conflict-wise than the, than, um, Wrath of Khan is, is that it's also the second in a trilogy. Like, it is so much the second in a trilogy that, like, it happens days, That's weeks. That's why I loved it, apparently. I love the second part of trilogies. <laughs> Which is funny, because those are usually the really worst ones. No, it's because they always have more emotional content. That is true. No plot. Because basically this but movie... This one didn't have emotional content yeah. or well, plot. This movie was about the crew initiating a heist film to go rescue no, Spock. The emotion, I like that part. The, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, do yeah. love a good heist. Uh-huh. Yes. The emotional content in this was all about... Kirk trying to figure out how to mourn his friend. Yeah, yeah but I don't think there was more... And then tricking his way out of it just like the Kobayashi Maru. More emotional content than the previous one. Like the, the first... Yeah. Not the first... The second Star Trek movie, but the Eight. first in this yeah. trilogy, mm-hmm. had more emotional weight than this one, which kind of yeah. felt goofy a lot of the time. Yes. And not to say that I didn't enjoy that. No. And there are parts of it that I found really funny, and I found that some of the supporting characters got better yeah. beats yeah. Yeah. in this oh, yeah. film, yeah. and they all had their it's little bits Sulu. to do. I said, like... Sulu had his moments! Yeah, so good. I still Everybody cl- was so great in the high sequence! Mm-hmm. I still wouldn't classify this as an ensemble film, but everybody mm-hmm. had a lot more to do, mm-hmm. except Ahura. My thing, yeah. my thing about mm-hmm. the emotional stuff is that 
the weightiest, like, like missing of Spock isn't really Kirk. It's actually Bones. Yeah. Which yeah. I really, really like. Yeah. Because I like those three when it's the three of them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But in that sense, like, I felt like a lot more of the journey should have been McCoy's rather mm-hmm. than Kirk's. Yeah. And, and McCoy gets stuff at the very beginning and then it sort of switches over. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, the mental patient. Mm-hmm. Like, I I felt like the through line should have been him. Mm-hmm. But David died, so... <laughs> yeah. I'm so okay with that. I feel like, yeah, the movie was just like, okay, we need to get rid of David somehow? How yes. can we work this? Well, there's, there's, it's also being used to set up for later things that mm. they do in other movies. Mm. So, you know, Kirk gets a new revenge target. Uh, who does he get revenge on for that? There is an for Undiscovered me. Country, which sort of sums up or, co- or, or happens got- at the same time as the Kittimer Accords are being... Didn't he get... Revenge on the guy who killed David. Did he die? Christopher well, yeah, he, but it, did yeah, Christopher Lloyd yeah, yeah, yeah. die? Into the but no, he, get, he he develops this thing what? about Klingons. <laughs> it was kind of a, a he fell into a volcano, kind of basically. Yeah, he he, he <laughs> went off the cliff. Yeah. He fell into the exploding planet. Um, but yeah, <laughs> after this, Kirk, who never really liked Klingons that much in the first place, develops sort of a thing about Klingons. And I would argue he had a thing. He did, but then there's this whole there's this whole not particularly elegant, but I'm gonna let it go arc about like overcoming your prejudices even when they affect you personally sort of thing because in the last the last purely TOS movie which is Undiscovered Country is all about the Kittimer Accords which is the the formal treaty between Mm -hmm. um, the peace treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire Mm -hmm. where Kirk who hates Klingons as much as anybody ends up like saving a bunch of people and saving the Accords and you know getting over his hatred yeah but as far as like within the context of this one yeah, movie, this film, like yeah. despite you know maybe yeah it sets up stuff for others. There should have been like, a whole other. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of disjointed. I mean, I certainly did not mind it as much as the motion picture. <laughs> I thought you know it was a fun, goofy thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I la I actually laughed watching this so much I didn't. When. Yeah. Um, just in some of the little one-liner jokes of them, like, huddled over the console going, like, okay, now we can, like, this was kind I don't of, even know, it was just some funny things, like, this was kind mo- of the little re- moments. This was kind of the reverse of the motion picture, for me, at least, is in the, the, the part that I most actively enjoyed was the beginning of the movie, mm. where it was like, oh, they're all sort of hanging out like civilians, and all yeah. this, all yeah. this setup is happening, yeah. and everybody gets to have cool lines, and we get kitchen table in this movie! Yeah! We got yeah. them all sitting around, having a drink, talking about, you know, their friendships and their relationships, and I really liked that. And, and I enjoyed McCoy's thing yeah. when he like tried yes. to get it to get yes. out and then yeah. the, where he tried to hand great. solo his way yeah. off yeah. the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Except everybody I'm... knows the Han Solo in this movie is Sulu. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's the cool, the cool, cocky space pilot. He's the only one in the movie. No, McCoy is. Mm. McCoy is trying to be and failing. Well, that's because the stiffs won't leave him alone. <laughs> That's true. He gets busted by the cops. He gets busted by the man who drags him back to jail. Yeah. Okay, question. Yeah. Why won't the boss in charge of the Federation give them a ship? I don't know. Because he specifically said, I want to go to the banned planet and find a guy who's dead. It's not banned. There are people there. No, it's been quarantined. Yeah, but there are people there. On an official exploration mission. Special secret. And wasn't his request, hey, can we go to Vulcan? 
No, he wanted to go back to Genesis. No, yes, you are right, Elise. Because he, no, he asked. His first to, ask is for Vulcan. Yeah, he doesn't ask to go to Genesis, I'm pretty sure. He does later. Right. Later, but yeah. the first thing that he says no to is, no, sorry, you can't go to Vulcan. And it's like, but what my you, friend just died and so there's like a ritual. Yeah, like, you're right. Oh my gosh. Okay, so why didn't Kirk just, like, why does his solution steal a starship and like fucking mutiny? Why isn't Go buy a ticket on a transport to Vulcan on because my vacation. Because Sarah comes to him and he says, you have to go back to Genesis. Yeah, but that's later. The very first thing, when he knows that uh, Spock is in his... He's, I, yeah. He mm-hmm. first asks, can we just go to Vulcan? And yeah. the guy's like, no, you're, you are my most valuable officer, he says to Kirk, which is... Which is <laughs> a lie. I mean, right. I'm sure he's a great PR guy for that sort of thing. It's like, look, it's James Kirk. He's amazing. Maybe Don't his talk. younger years. Yeah. yeah. But, like... But, like, uh, my friend has died. It's yeah. important that we go do this thing. No! Oh. Well, he wants... His, he's his trying father to... came and personally requested that we go to Vulcan. Oh, no. the important ambassador from yeah. Vulcan? Who's yeah. Kind of a big well, deal? I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that no. conversation happened. I think the, the first no is before Sarek shows up. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. no in this mm. film. Basically, he's like, no, I've got some PR stuff planned for literally all of you. You guys stay right here until mm. I'm done. Because he's a dick. Basically. This guy's a huge dick. I also don't get, like, I get why Genesis is quarantined, because as we brought up in the second film, it is a terrible weapon Mm -hmm. of mass destruction and can only be used for evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even better. Even better. Yeah. My favorite part is that we picked up on that in the second film, and then immediately some villain was like, oh shit, yeah, we gotta get our hands (laughs) on that. Yeah. Immediately, mm-hmm. I like. I did enjoy that this this third film, this one here, was all about like, oh yeah, you know how nobody thought it was a bad idea in the in the second film. It's a fucking bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like yes. that's the whole yes. like thesis statement of everything about oh, Genesis. No, you know what the thesis statement is, Kim? What? Brace yourself. McCoy was right. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, um, it was. Everyone's like Genesis. Can't wait to get on that wagon. <laughs> and McCoy's like. You can't do this! <laughs> you can't play God! This is insane! And it turns out he mm-hmm. was right all along. Yeah. Not that he really Fuck. gets to enjoy that victory, because mm-hmm. the second that it becomes obvious, he gets, like, hijacked. Well, he has a, he has a hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. I did like the scene where... I, in the quarters? Yeah, the so ghost scene. So they pull into Space Dock, which, by the way, Earth, you look beautiful. Um, they pull in, yeah, they do this, this, like, big, like, pulling into space talk thing, and it's the first time we see Earth. I am playing the part of Kim in this podcast, <laughs> apparently you may there have are parts of it that I just didn't watch. Yeah, so they pull into space talk, and they're like, okay, and the Enterprise looks sad. Like, yeah, yeah, the way they keep yeah, shot to hell. It got yeah. half but destroyed. But no, there's, there's, there's a bit where when they come out of warp, and they sort of turn towards this, the station... The camera does this thing where it's like, it, do you remember in the Nebula in the last movie where the Enterprise goes, surprise, bitch, and sneaks up from behind the other ship? In this one, it's it's sort of like moping. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah. The ship is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they pull into Space Dog, and all of a sudden there's like an intruder alert in, in Spock's quarters, um, which Kirk ordered sealed because he needs to go in there and have his own feelings by himself without being disturbed, <laughs> I assume. What a weird thing to do. And he goes in and he finds... Someone sitting in the corner, Creeping. his face obscured. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's That's real creepy. A, what was McCoy doing? And B, what was Spock telling McCoy to do? Just go find the creepiest <laughs> corner you can. Make sure that your face is in shadow, but like I don't dramatically think was, lit. I think the yeah. face in shadow was just so that we couldn't see the yeah. lips so moving we couldn't so that tell. we could have the Spock voiceover. Like, yeah, I, I think... Dramatically, I know. Can. <laughs> but like, well, logically, Bones like, several times does things that he clearly did not deliberately do. So, like, I think I don't think yeah, Spock's he, trying to like wrest control no, away or anything. I'm but talking, he, they're like they're I'm both talking surfacing. about Spock leading him into the room. Okay, when the time is right, <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think there. it's find the lighting, backlight yourself. <laughs> I don't think it's like as you're gonna need to take that. my lamp from over there <laughs> and put it on the shelf behind you, but like aim it up just a okay. Little. Well, okay, is, wait, no, 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 no. Let me try it out. Let me zoop. No, you're going to need two inches up, two inches up, two inches up. Okay, so okay, now you look mysterious. That was for the benefit of the audience. But, like, it's also to freak out Kirk because there's throughout this movie until about halfway through before they stop. <laughs> I really like the idea that it was just to freak out Kirk. It was. Why are we doing this? Let's, let's troll I mean, Kirk. if either of them made that Agreed. decision to yeah. troll Kirk, it was definitely Bones. Okay, mm-hmm. because there's no reason why he couldn't just walk up to him, like, anywhere and be like, Remember. Well, I don't. I don't think either of them is completely in control of their actions. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, but neither of them is fully in control of what they're doing. They're both sort of surfacing and then going back down again. Sure, I sure, think sure. they're both just very confused. Yeah. Okay, Kim, what's your take on that? On what? Is it really just them trolling it? Because there's no reason why he couldn't just stroll up onto the bridge and like walk over to the science console. Because and be like, if he's in a normal and, situation, and Kirk could be like, "What's going on?" And he's if like, he's, "I'm science." Because when he's in a normal situation, it's easy to behave normal. But when he's like at by himself without other stuff to do, other things come to the surface. Is how I read this. When I'm all alone, creeping, I'm going to do this. In the your other personality. <laughs> No, it totally See, it made you per- like it. dramatically it made perfect sense to me. Try it's it like in the kitchen he doesn't, and then try it in your room at like, night. I'm totally imagining this. <laughs> like Bones, like finds himself a Kim voiceover. <laughs> okay, fine, we're just gonna remember. <laughs> Sorry, we found a good tangent. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah we're really. But I really, ourselves. I both like and am you know worried about the the idea that Bones like just feels a little bit off and just finds himself like walking down the hallway and finds himself in front of Spock's quarters and doesn't really understand why he's there but finds himself like he's not really it's a being, ghost story thing yeah, yeah it is and he's not being controlled exactly but he, like he's his actions are not entirely his own yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's a ghost thing which so it's like I, he's I being like creepy but I don't think it's deliberate I think mm-hmm. it's just for our benefit it's for sure well if the trolling is happening it's definitely Bones what does not the Spock. creeper voice the creeper voice tells him to no. Creeper voice says, I have a you need to take my brain up to a mountain. You yes. must climb Mount Salaya. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah. the thing about, so there's no reason why Kirk or anyone else, and it's only Kirk, I think, who definitely hears it as Spock's voice. Um, because Bones says weird things a few times, but every other time he says it, like in front of other people, it sounds like Bones saying Spock lines. Mm-hmm. But the two times we hear Spock clearly speaking and sounding like, or Bones speaking and sounding like Spock, it's only Kirk who hears it. Okay. I can't, I can only think of one reason why that might be so, and I'm wondering what you guys thought. I'm thinking that you're overthinking this. It happens <laughs> twice. It's really conspicuous. I, the other time. It happens once on the bridge, and it happens once in the quarters. Anyway, oh. she's insane. Go on. Well, I think it's, it's just him being like, he really misses his friend, so this is yeah. like, it, it sounds similar, and so he's like, it, was that Spock? And yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be a manifestation of him, like, missing his mm-hmm. friend a lot. Um, I mean, that happens to me. I have a friend who died 20 years ago, and I see a bearded guy walking down the street. 
and I have to pause and like look at him twice just to be sure. Now I have a theory, and this isn't like a I'm this isn't like a ride or die theory. It was just a thought that I had mm. in that. Kirk's the only one who hears Bones speaking and hears actually Spock's voice. He's also the only other person on the Enterprise who's ever mind-melded with Spock. Mm. So there still could be a lingering connection there. We know that there is later on because Spock talks about it after Kirk has died. Mm. So, you know, it's just... I'm going with my theory. Yeah, of course you are because you have no romance in your soul. (laughs) Very little. Mm -hmm. But speaking of romance, Mm. so, okay, like, discarded plotline, remember how Savick and David were supposed to be like, (sighs) yeah, whatever. She was supposed to be pregnant with his child. What? Yes! Thank God that was. No, thank you. Thus making his sacrifice all the more noble. Oh, that's bullshit. I'm glad they wrote that out. Speaking of romance, can we talk about how gross it was that she slept with 17-year-old Spock, who has no brain? So he's like, uh, okay, he mostly just kind of moans sexually mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing, right, Elise? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, they, for sure. They find baby Spock, and like the whole thing is, is like his body has regenerated into that of a child, but sure. he doesn't have his like his mind, his nobody Spock home. mind. There's nobody home. Because yeah. in Bones' head. Yeah. yeah. Most insane thing, but yeah, continue. Yes. So she essentially has sex with an empty shell? Yep. So that she fingers hmm. sensually first. Let's stop using that word. No! no. It's making me very uncomfortable. So, ah, interesting. It was gross. Like, I mean, as age difference aside, it was gross. Well, the thing, too, like... They they really do imply that he is an empty shell, but he's clearly aware of people yeah. and functioning. I mean, also, so we know like, Spock is still alive, so that body still belongs to someone. Yeah. But on the other hand, Kim, you have done tirades on how all bets are off during Pon Far, so there's that, too. Mm. Well, okay, but he was also clearly in the very early stages of it. He wasn't in the full frothing, I'm gonna murder a bitch phase. But it, when I talked about Spock's body being an empty shell, like, he was devoid of all personality like mm-hmm. he was functioning oh, i felt like he had person he had very soulful eyes there's a real <laughs> disconnect here in between the idea of like a definite discreet like soul for lack of a better word and the idea of like the emer- like like sentience emergence mm. well it's like if you think of it too if he was born what a day ago so it's this is like not maybe not necessarily an empty shell, but a baby brain. This is a baby brain <laughs> in a man's body. It, like it's an interesting idea. Like no, <laughs> no, no. I don't mean like that. But like it, like the idea that in this universe there is a definite concept, like a scientific concept of sentience and what constitutes it. And if that's somewhere else, like is it a physical connection? Is it like a, a, an energy connection? Well, and also, can body... you slot something? Like, will something else grow if you pull the first one out? Mm-hmm. That's well, a this weird body was idea. A regenerated body, like this yeah. is not necessarily. But like, like, if this kid had grown up at a normal rate, yeah, this could maybe have been something like, else. You know, in the reboot, or, like spot, or, in, spot, like yeah, spot. No, <laughs> spot. So, like, would he have developed sentience again, or yeah. would he have stayed? Empty. Would he have developed his own distinct personality yeah. and being? He or, did. Yeah. Or is there some spark that was missing because it wasn't there when he uh, went see, down? I didn't see that he had any personality. He just sort of, like, for the entire thing, he just sort of sat there and cried. Like, he didn't do anything. He, I think he didn't say it. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't he have any line. Pain. Yeah, yeah but, but that's also, like, a biological, that's yeah. just, like, a physical response. Mm-hmm. If I pinch you, you're going to feel pain whether or not you have personality. Yeah. I mean, he was still a being, a living being, who mm-hmm. felt 
pain and could feel comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... But he had no, like, there was no education, social or mental, yeah. in sentient. that short. Like, to, well, to, to yeah, he no, was it's not sentient. He, he was, was sentient. sentient. The only thing, I, <laughs> however you pronounce that, <laughs> the only thing I can, like, the only way I can think to describe it is, like, the lights are on, but no one is home. In terms of oh. he's... He, is, does that make sense? It's kind of, well, yeah, yeah, I still I feel... feel like he was mm-hmm. home. Like, he wasn't, there was, like, one scene where he kind of looked like a blank slate, where he was just kind of sitting there with his mouth open, yeah. and I was like, okay, if that's the point we're making. But the rest of it, he was Safe responding mode. and talk not talking, but, but like, he was reacting. He was reacting and, like, but that was... active? Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I think an argument could be made, I agree with him, there's an argument that could be made that this is, like, this is autonomic stuff, this is like safe mode mm. for lack of a better word but like, it's still a life it's basic functions mm. but, it's but it's not but it's still a life well yeah but like i think it would i would be less confused if we knew exactly how he had regenerated like does spock's older body like go shoop back into a tiny baby or does it just sort of like this and the then wind? start over again from seed or does it just sort of like is it the same you body goes seed. back don't say well, you know seed. the way they spoke okay, about it though look, i'll stop lying i'll stop yours <laughs> But, like, I, I want to know at what point it starts up again. Well, the way they spoke about it, it sounded like it was a cell, like, cells that kind yeah. of, like... But then what happened wasn't, to the first body? It decayed. It, like, got eaten. It got, you know, like, any... The way they do... It does kind of have that magical disappearing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah. The way I've always read this is... The way the, they describe it is, like... The way there's I've a always, lot of, like, magical hand-waving yeah, in that's this. That's the biggest yeah. one, though. Like, the way I always read this, like, the I've seen this several times, but the way I've always read it is that it's the same body. It just sort of, like, regressed and then started forward again. For, so, for me, if that is the case, then it's still Spock's body wherever his consciousness mm. resides. If it's something that started over again... Well, that's it's a whole different spot. conversation. It's its own being. Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple of episodes in various Star Trek series that deal with this issue. There's one in Voyager called Tuvix, where Neelix oh, yeah. and Tuvok get fused into uh, the in a most transport. Annoying character. <laughs> yes, and he, make, and he makes a plea for why he should be allowed to exist because he is his own separate, distinct yes. individual being. And in the end, Janeway's like, nope, and like, <laughs> separates them out. Yeah. Um, and there's because those, cause those initial Jesus. beings had rights before you did. So yeah. That, I love that one because that is such a great bodily like, autonomy yeah, argument. A, yes. And then there's also an episode um, that I'm a bit fuzzy on the details because it's Enterprise. But where Trip has a clone that is made of him that grows up um, with a new name and he develops his own personality and his own... Does he eat him? But they kill him to save Trip or something. I don't remember remember all the details, but that's also sort of what this was reminded me about. DS9 also has the episode where all of Jedzia's previous hosts borrow other people's bodies and Odo and Curzon become one and they want to stay that way. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, could you not? Yeah. (laughs) How about no? Yeah, so, like, the issue is tackled, like, a couple of times throughout the series, but I thought this was an interesting one that is, like, is that I think body, like, bodily just kind of like, hanging out in, like, okay, idle. I think I come down on this, the on the, sort of, the, the, the organ transplant abortion or bodily autonomy argument, and mm. that, um, it was Spock's body first, and if it's anybody's, it's Spock's, mm. and Spock can't live without it, so they gotta put him back. I think, I feel like within the text of the movie, there is not enough text on this. I would and have liked so to much, know exactly how. Yeah, there's back. so much hand-waving and so much, like, room for maybe the kid just wasn't actually 
acting. Yeah. Like maybe he was supposed to be more yeah. like plain. But when he or... gets older, that yeah. is five different actors yeah. playing yeah. Spock at yeah. various points. But yeah. when he gets older, there is a lot of emoting going mm-hmm. on. If they had left it as blank slate, sitting staring into space the entire time. It would be a lot easier to make this distinction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not even saying that they shouldn't have or put unconscious brain back in there. Well, I feel like it was I? it was like there's a discussion there, but they didn't yeah. have it in the movie, and no. it feels like maybe it should have been in the movie. Yeah. Should it? Well, Plus, I mean, there's also it this... would be very Star Trek of it, it to have yeah. that yes, conversation. It was, <laughs> they wrote it. There's also this whole layer, and this is quite consistent from here and you know, the future as well, is that there's a whole layer of sort of Vulcan mysticism over everything that mm. implies that they yes. have a better, deeper understanding mm-hmm. of how this works and what is right and what is wrong than the non-telepathic, non-Vulcan species mm. in the conversation. And it's it's very non-Vulcan of them because it's not logical, but they're absolutely adamant that they understand this and that this is the right thing to do. Mm. To the point where... Kirk doesn't even question this. And I don't think he would anyway because it's his friend and he wants him back and he doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's quite persuasive even though it's not rational. Mm -hmm. The thing that I like about Vulcan mysticism, and I kind of thought about it, this will, why don't we talk about Mount Soleil now that we're talking about it a little bit. Yes, please. Is that the Vulcan religious system, for a better word of using, because they have priestesses Mm -hmm. or whatever, is not based around god worship. It's based around, like, idealized um, states of being, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's about, like, logic as the ideal state of being, and that is what their worship and all of their um, focus is on, not trying to understand some sort of celestial off... It's, it's about understanding it's very the self. Bu- it's, it's very Buddhist. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's it. more it's more fully inhabiting the things that you can understand by witnessing them, and that like the fact that they are telepaths probably mm-hmm. lends a lot of like yeah. woo woo spiritual weight to something mm-hmm. for a culture that doesn't really like the woo woo. Well, speaking part. of woo woo spiritual weight and yeah. like Vulcan stuff, one of the things that I loved about this at the end, handmaidens, handmaidens, the handmaidens, yes, the handmaidens, clad handmaidens. I think so, you're the Vestals. Yes, yes. the Vulcan yes. handmaidens were fucking spectacular. They were and great. Their outfits were amazing. And there's mm. the whole line of them at one point. They're all just standing there with their arms up for yeah. a while. And so, I was like, here for it. Yeah. But the thing that I loved about this is when they're putting Spock's brain back or Spock's Katra back in his body mm-hmm. and they've got the hand on there and they go into the all night trance or whatever. Yeah. Every single yeah, yeah, Vulcan yeah. on that mountain, including what's her face? Savik. Savik closes their eyes and is involved in the telepathy yeah. of moving mm-hmm. the Katra yeah. from one body I to loved another. That. I fucking love that. Was that. Great. It was a gorgeous little detail. I have so many questions about this ritual. Like Okay, so Sarek, Sarek basically this has this all planned anyone. out, right? Yeah. The first time we hear of it is Sarek marches up to Kirk on the space station. He's like, okay, we're going to do this ritual. We're going to put Spock back in his body, except you went and fucking left his body on Genesis. What the hell is wrong with you? And Kirk's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Which his is fair. future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds totally bananas. But Sarek has this all planned out. He's like, going to get my kid, going to get the person carrying his cadre, going to put them back together. Okay, here's my thing, though. Does Sarek actually expect to, at this point, to bring Spock back to life? I or think is he, he does. just doing a re- No. Is he just taking the consciousness yeah. to be buried? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, for sure That's right. what I thought. But yeah. he talks about it like no. you denied him his future. Like there is a yeah, like, solid future. No. I think it's more he has future this in like mind. this is our, this is the way we proceed except, into death. Except yes. he has this all planned out. He's no. going to refuse Spock. 
He had to have, no, plan- he had to have told people what his plans were. No, it's I think his- what he just walked up to Vulcan and said, "Hey, is there any priestesses around so that you can perform this ritual that hasn't been done in hundreds of years?" No, no. I think that got like called ahead. Like we have a body for him now, and I was yeah. like, "Okay, cool." But I would assume that a lot of that would still be part of. Because they still have to remove his Kautra from, from McCoy. Yeah. yeah. So I assume part of that would be that same goings on. Yeah. yeah. Where the set, the part of sending it into the other body, the I think, was the. Body. Yes. Hmm. Because when, it's not until they get up to Mount Salea and they're in front but of the whole assembled crowd that he's like, I want this yeah. ritual. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, We haven't fucking done that except, in years. Except. He specifically is pissed at Kirk for leaving Spock's body yeah, behind. Yeah, because in our culture, you do not just send off a body into mm. Nowheresville. Mm-hmm. The, you bring it to the mountain. The actual shouting at Kirk is specifically about, you left Spock's body behind, therefore he doesn't have a future. Yes. Uh, he has a plan. Uh, no, a metaphysical future. But then not- why would he need his body? Because that's what you do in their culture when there is a but dead body. There's you no practical connection mountain. between having his body and having his katra unless you're planning to put the two back together. But Ari, that body is wrecked. So? It, I mean, I would guess it's probably, yeah, you'd put the consciousness back in the body and send it off. Yeah, at, and then that's done. That's See, the that kind sounds of burial. horrifying to me because it's a dead body. Yeah. yeah. You'd be a zombie. Yeah. That's horrific. But you're dead. That doesn't, you that doesn't make die. sense to me. I think Sarek had the whole thing planned out. Maybe he didn't tell anyone he had the whole thing planned out. Maybe he was going to, like, go rogue and be like, okay, surprise, we're doing a refusion. But where was he going to get the body from? Okay, yeah. Uh, Don't quote me on this, because I did not actually look it up, but in just more of my general I love Vulcan (laughs) thing, I feel like at some point, probably in the books or something somewhere, that Mount Salea is part depository for katras of dead Vulcans and there's like a thing yeah. where you can go and like commune with dead people's katras I feel like because and sense. there's also yeah. a part in Enterprise where they actually find the katra of Sorak oh, yeah, in yeah. like a receptacle where they're like we stored this on a shelf <laughs> for you guys to find that later. That is also horrific. Which is like yeah <laughs> but I feel like that's probably sort of like they didn't actually try to explain it or anything but I feel like in my head when I was watching this I'm like oh that makes sense because they have to go put his Katra in Mount Salea and you mm, need the, yeah. like so I feel like at some point they flesh this out a little bit but that's sort of what I thought about that part is you need the body mm, just to yeah. get the yeah. the Katra into wherever it's supposed to be in the Katra ether. Mm. It's I a headcanon, it. Ari, for you, and I appreciate that, because it well, would make it, it a great headcanon. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was I the greatest it. heist of all time. No. I think it was the greatest heist of all time. No, I think, Ari. I don't know if anybody else knew that was what he was planning, but I think Sarek definitely had that in mind the whole time. No. Because he's Spock's dad, and Spock for sure had this in mind. Spock for sure did not. No. I, think I don't. Did. I think they had the first part Yes. But no, none of them, like, the regenerated body was a bonus. That, like, that was a surprise. No one... Complete surprise. Yeah. That was, like, about that. a pleasant surprise, because I feel like it also had something to do with David using the progesterone or whatever. <laughs> matter. Yeah, because when Sarek comes to see Kirk, his whole thing is, like, why the fuck did you give my kid a Starfleet burial yeah. instead of a Vulcan yeah. burial? I want to give him a Vulcan at. burial. But... Yeah. Okay, regardless of your headcanon, my headcanon, the facts. When... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still just real puzzled how the high priestess knew how to do the refusion when it hadn't been done in centuries. She's 150,000 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay, forever. But we want to go back to Sarek and Kirk. And mm-hmm. Sarek's like, will you let me mine now? <laughs> and 
guys, it gets uncomfortably sexy. Yeah. There is like <laughs> slow green. music. And then ah. they're, okay, guys, they're sitting down on a cat. Elise knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and there's like a crackling fire. <laughs> that was really interesting. Like eyelash fluttering. Yeah. Oh, oh, so, okay. Okay, crack. There's low lighting, and then there's weird, sexy close-ups of like lips muttering sweet nothing, and then yeah, their eyeballs just like flaring. At least it's turning purple. <laughs> there's something wrong with both of you. It was dirty. Okay, there's this is a dirty movie. No, no, Ari. No. That scene no. was the beginning no, of the nineteen seventies The I way agree. it was filmed, the like way, the staging, the, context. the staging is really weird. But yeah. like, I was a, I was still upset enough, so I sort of like, oh well, that's really weird and uncomfortable staging, and then yeah. moved on. Let's go back but to see, Elise. <laughs> but see, that's the thing is like, in the context of how they filmed it in the film, it was uncomfortably intimate. And while it is an intimate moment. The way they filmed it was like bounce go wow wow <laughs> and not like oh you are my son's best friend let us respect you. Yeah yeah if you set that to different music it yeah. would for sure lead to banging. <laughs> the funny thing about mind melds is that there's no comfortable way for a Vulcan to do it with someone who isn't Vulcan. It has like, never been that sexual. It's always like that. It's always okay, it's weird and a little more sexual than you expected it to be. <laughs> Like, even the, like, 1.2 seconds he does it to get his consciousness into bones at the end of Wrath of Khan is a little, like, oh, that no, was way more intimate than I expected it to be. That was manly bonds between mm-hmm. manly warrior men. Yeah, definitely, for it sure It was, not. like, clasping the, the arm and being, nope. like, remember. Hard pass now. I mean, so again, but again, in context, yeah, it's the same sort of yeah. intimate, but it was not filmed the same no, way I think that it was the, was. I think it was. I think it was the close-ups that really put that over the edge. Yeah. The really? sexy lips. There is a point where Spock mind melds with a wall, let me <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And it was still pretty sexual. <laughs> what? what he I think you have deeper problems than he I He was do. getting really into it with that wall, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to say that. twice. <laughs> what does he gain from this wall? Is it oh, a he's, No, he's mind melding through the wall. He's trying sorry. to influence someone There's on the other side. There's a guard on the other side oh, of the wall. Okay. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Kim. <laughs> so, okay, so, so much of this film... Or was shot so that the entire relationship between Kirk and Spock came off as a husband and wife being reunited. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really like the like the way, if, especially if the whole funeral scene, the way Kirk was shot and the way mm-hmm. he like related the bride, to Sarah. Like the yeah, bride, yeah. He's, right? he's, he's he's shot like a mourning wife. Yeah, and the whole thing at the end. Oh, yeah. when, anyway, it's like a wedding. He's, yeah. yeah, he's positioned by everyone as the mourning spouse, like all the way through. And Bones, I guess, is like. The latter sometimes addition to the marriage bed. It's really unclear, but <laughs> that's yeah. true. Actually, like yeah. going up to the, when yeah. we climb the mountain. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Can you imagine going to funerals? Oh, we get to go climb a mountain. <laughs> okay. I guess you forgot uh, like, your pain on the way up. Yeah. You're like, well, did you yeah. see that when they, when they arrive at the bottom of the mountain? First off, there's a nice staircase, so at least yeah. they're not having to like huff and puff their way uh, up a small trail. But like the whole staircase and the bottom was lined all the way up with people. Yeah, so, like, I like that. Who got there early enough that had to climb to the top <laughs> and wait for the funeral procession to get up there? Yeah. Long I bet there's fine. a gondola behind yeah. like, so you I can't think, see yeah. it. <laughs> I really hope that at this point in Vulcan history, the only ceremonial person who actually has to climb all the stairs is like the guy with the body. Yeah. 
Or like the, the, people, outsider. the people carrying the sedan chair probably still have to walk. Because oh, yeah, that's part because of the, the Lady Priestess. Yes, yes, just like the Lady Priestess in the Ponfar episode. I want to be a Vulcan cow. High Priestess just so I can be carried around in a sedan chair. It's like one of my life goals. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> is it? I mean, no, but that's, you know. I think a sedan chair is pretty much inequality. <laughs> well, I mean, she's like 300 years old. Mm. Or something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but it does almost kind of seem like a wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like here are the or mystical like, cleansing things that he has to do before he gets married. Like if there was a flag someone could have folded into a triangle and given to Kirk. <laughs> I just want to share one of my notes that I had. I, when I was still taking notes before I started falling asleep. Gross hand fornication. <laughs> yep. 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 Okay. Can like, we... it's funny, but I also feel like in another universe it would be really culturally insensitive. <laughs> Can we talk for a moment about the disgusting bugs on Genesis oh, planet? My <laughs> note after that is worm horror. Yes! Okay, so the first time you see these bugs, oh, which God. are described as being oh. like microbes that were on the torpedo they are cave. Flat maggots. They're flat they're maggots. They're flat maggots. They're disgusting. They're super gross. Yes. Yeah. When the first time the camera cuts to them, yeah. I jumped and screamed. Oh. That's fair. That's fair. That's right. They're disgusting. They're mm. disgusting. And then at the end, when they turn into like giant, giant tube worms that are like sentient, and like it tries to strangle that Klingon and he rips its throat out with his bare hands. Mm. That was disgusting. Yep. Disgusting. I'm like still physically grossed out by those things. So bad. There's a lot of juiciness in this film. Very visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Christopher Lloyd's, I don't even know what to call that. Elephant dog? Yeah. Is a juicy elephant dog? One moment, I looked this up. Was that supposed (laughs) to be a targ? No, it was not a targ. It was a Jadasha. Okay. In the credits, it's. Space puppy. Yeah. yeah, In in the credits for the movie, it's called a puppy lizard. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not an animal we ever see. It again. is gross. It's, it's so drippy. Like that drippy. dog from a was it a Griswold Family Christmas that just has snot running Ugh. down its face the whole time? Yeah, it was like juicy and gross. It yeah. was, and then the worms and were all like. <laughs> These worms were worse than the blood earworms from the last Ooh. one, mostly because they were like fifteen mm. times bigger. Yeah. They were huge, and they then huge. for whatever reason, we spend five minutes watching Christopher Lloyd. Wrestle, get autoerotic asphyxiated, and then kill with like great bursting gooshes of like. And for what reason? For fun. Yeah, because he stops them from shooting them. Well, I think it was supposed to set up how like quote unquote tough he is, Mm -hmm. so that when he has he was wrestling a worm. Yes. He, he wrestled and he wrestled and murdered a killer worm with his bare hands. So I think that's to show us. So when we get to the really badly choreographed fight at the end with Kirk, it makes it more impressive that Kirk has been able to beat this middle-aged man to yeah, death. Yeah, whatever. The planet really got him. Yeah. Can we talk for a second about the heist? Yes. Because yeah, you've got five seconds. Kirk, shut up. Kirk goes back to ask one last time, and he's sitting with I don't remember his name, Grissom. No. no, Grissom is the head of the science ship. Whatever. Who gets the boss I thought it was the name of the science ship. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, Gil Grissom, oh, whatever. Like CSI. Um, yeah, no. The Starfleet boss guy. Yeah, they literally just referred to him basically as Commander. like Starfleet boss. Okay, well, this last he goes to ask one more time, and, and Starfleet boss guy is like, you understand, right? And Kirk's staring off into space, clearly about to go rogue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally got it. And his face is like, fuck all of this. 
And then he comes out of the room and the entire rest of the senior staff is like, huddle up around the door. Oh, well, what's the word? The <laughs> word is no. I'm therefore going anyway. And this is my favorite William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary really? Just... <laughs> this, this era of William Shatner is my favorite. <laughs> I feel like hitting you with something. <laughs> Look, I didn't judge you for your weird William Shatner thing. My weird William Shatner mm-hmm. thing is not weird. Uh-huh. He is a beautiful hunk of aged yeah. cheese. Mine is just, I appreciate him as a character, Karina. Also very Yours hungry. is a whole other thing. <laughs> but, like, I'm as hungry. a character, this is my favorite version of Kirk. Mm. Like, he's, like, he's not ripping off his shirt to parade around in what? front of random aliens anymore. I'm looking at Kareem. What was wrong with that? Nothing. It's just, it got really Not boring. a single goddamn thing. <laughs> I really like Kurt going rogue, and I really uh, like the rest of the crew going, fuck this, let's go! I'm mm-hmm. taking umbrage with your term going rogue. They fucking mutiny again. They do! Again! Not only that, hey. they straight up fucking steal the Enterprise out of space dock. Yeah, yeah they should all be great. shot. But Kim, they don't do that. to your point... This is the only time that Spock has not mutinied. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't there, so they had to do it for him. He, the only reason he did not lead this mutiny is because he was Literally dead. dead. Yes, yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, okay, we have to talk about everyone's civilian clothing. Okay, <laughs> oh let me bring up god. some notes for this. Kirk is wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> a polyester tracksuit. My lady bits... Uh... Sealed. <laughs> Ew. Sorry, you guys can't see my hand motion. Just so like I'm, the next movie. I'm holding up my hand oh, and I've got my fingers now steepling <laughs> back. <laughs> no. That's more than I wanted to know about your preferences. Like, way what? more. <laughs> that is not my preference. I think that was an anti preference. That's the opposite yeah. of my preference. Whatever. Uh, okay, yeah, so... This is, this is the kitchen table scene, but yes, the clothes are amazing. It's, like, literally a 1970s velour lounge yeah. suit track. Yes. He, he yeah. has it zipped up to the top of his neck. <laughs> yep. It is so horrible. I wanted to, like, I actually kind of, I don't like shirtless Kirk. I wanted him shirtless just so I didn't have to look <laughs> at that tracksuit anymore. Could you imagine shirtless Kirk <laughs> in this movie? <laughs> Could we not? No, thank no. you. I can't stop. Could we? St- <laughs> okay, stop sharing it. You'd be like a Christmas No, pen. no, I'm going to stop. I will. I will stop. You okay, will... so what did you think of Uhura's? Like it was bright pink, and I like so her pink. big necklace. Yes, there were so mm. many big necklaces. Big necklace. so Every many. woman in this film was wearing a I mean, giant. Necklace. Not even like totally discounting Vulcan bling, which cannot really be approached by anyone else's bling. But like, yeah, yeah. so much bling. Yeah, mm-hmm. Horus. I mean, Horus was the best of the bunch, but mm-hmm. it's just because like it was a dress and she was in pink. Mm-hmm. Um, Sulu. Oh, Sulu. Sulu was wearing a kimono shirt in a brown wide-legged suit. <laughs> and at one out, point, but... he sashays in with, like, a cape coat. Yeah. I yes. love it! Yes. And, like, so sashayed is yes. literally the only way to describe what he was doing that's in his, this outfit. That's his badass space pilot poncho. It was amazing! So, I hate ponchos. But, <laughs> but, but George Takei can wear whatever he wants. That poncho was yeah. so good. Of the mm-hmm. lot of them, Sulu looked the best. Oh, yes, yeah. He was really pulling good. it off. Yeah, those fashion ones in this movie. Yes, yes. he is. Okay, <laughs> check up. We are going to talk about his shitty beige suit. Oh yeah, with he really a got the weird short pink top that occasionally had an enormous stiff white collar sticking up the top. It's it so was 70s. terrible. Mm. 
Which is funny because it was me. 1984. It usually lasts into five years (laughs) or the next decade. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It was. It was terrible. Feel free also to talk about McCoy's loungewear oh God, and yes. his like shiny purple ascot. He McCoy was... in these movies is my favorite. Like, all of his fashion choices. The only thing you need to talk about is the fact that he was wearing a shirt that was open enough that his shiny purple ascot filled the entire like <laughs> the gap. I respected. Mm-hmm. I respected that ascot. I really mm-hmm. did. He looks in the entirety of these films like he has a secret identity that's like. Dr. Love Jack. <laughs> oh. yes. Well, the thing that I re- like, thing to remember for me, uh, that I was like to remember about Bones, is like in the first movie, he got like forcibly pulled out of retirement. Out of hippie yeah. commune? Yeah, yeah. Out of his hippie commune, wherever the hell he was. But I think he's at a point where he's like, okay, I'm here, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of doctoring. Nope. No. Well, no, I mean, in this movie, he's being. He's literally there he's because the he's the one who is being doctored. Yeah. <laughs> um, other outfits of note, mm-hmm. uh, possibly the Klingon woman on the shuttle yes. who showed oh, yeah. up, and I was so excited for her. I'm like, she's going to be fabulous. Yeah. She dies in like 15 seconds, but she's wearing an amazing <laughs> silver dress with like yeah. low cut, yeah. and she's got this great purple belt on, and she's got this huge necklace, and she's got this amazing hair. It's all like sticking up in loops like a crown. She looks fucking fabulous, mm-hmm. and I was so excited. And then she's, like, dead. So hers is a double tragedy, because not only does she die wearing a great outfit, but two, she had to watch Kirk's really stupid PowerPoint presentation (laughs) about the Genesis Project. And Mm -hmm. for that, she had to die. Yeah. Yeah. I was really disappointed that she was, like, murderated for, like, apparently no reason. I don't even know. Okay, so the conversation for anyone who never got... That was all of us. That was... I read it aloud to you. Sure. What? What? The, the conversation at the beginning that that technically says why she, she she had to die does not. Well, no, it does. I mean, it's like uh, he well, didn't for whatever reason want because she had seen Genesis and she wasn't supposed to look at it, so he killed I, her for class. So, reasons? like, I don't beam know. her on board. No, so it, is, thought, it is dumb, but that is the reason he. Did I thought it. she died because they were blowing up the shuttle with the two guys that she had kidnapped no, the and conversation, forced to do the thing. The conversation, no, she hadn't kidnapped or forced them at all. She no. was going to pay them. They no. were mercenaries she had hired. Okay, yeah. I can understand killing the mercenaries, but why didn't you just beam her over and, like, collaborate mm-hmm. with because her? What he because says, it was his it, girlfriend. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, is that... What um, he says is that he, he kills her because he says, oh, you've seen it. She says, yes. And he says, unfortunate. She says, I understand. Goodbye, my lord and my love. So he kills her because she looked at it, and I guess she wasn't supposed then to. Then why would you really send excited? your girlfriend to pick up the plans in the yeah. first place if you didn't trust her to? Oh that my is God. an excellent question. Like of all people, surely like your okay. girlfriend who does space military stuff for worst you. Worst case be scenario, you beam her on board, which yeah. the plan is that you're already enacting because yeah. he immediately then shows the slideshow presentation to everyone to on the yeah. ship. Yeah. It doesn't make that much sense. Okay, and the other thing that was just fucking straight up insulting is like if you're going to kill her so he can have some man pain over having to be forced to kill his girlfriend at least use it in the rest of the plot but she's, she's never, even... never even mentioned nope. again but she is the only person who says the villain's name out loud in the entire that's film. true oh. what was his name fucked if i know <laughs> it's it spelled k-r-u-g-e i don't know if it's krug krug it'll be krug krug yeah yeah um I other, loved, sorry. I was going to say, other noto- notable outfit in this, the only other really notable outfit in this, the lounge waitress at the bar where oh Bones yes! yes! Can we 
Just have a movie about her. <laughs> I want a movie about the uh, space station cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that space station be cafe like was ripped straight out of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Except cleaner. I know. Because it's a Federation they, cafe. They don't think they have a live band. No, I think mm-hmm. it was recorded music. So, Star Wars with a tape recorder. Yeah. Okay. And like a, a cleaning cantina. Staff. But her, yeah. she was like literally wearing like... It was like the space equivalent of a Playboy bunny. It was a um, leotard. Yeah. Bathing suit. She knows McCoy by name, knows mm. what he mm. drinks, and has amazing eyelashes. Well, this is so. like the main space mm-hmm. dog for Earth, so it's not out of the question he had been here before. Although we also know McCoy is an alcoholic. So. Canned cantina. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. The greatest thing you've ever done. You oh, is that what you said? That is the what thing I said. Is, though, that's why we that. high five. I just yeah. hear her. The that thing was is, amazing. The thing is, though, I don't think that was like a uniform because we see at least two other waitresses and they dress completely differently. Like one of them She's is an wearing... alien. Yeah, but I think it's just like this is how she likes to dress, which I actually really enjoy. Also, that fashion in the 23rd century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tall Yoda mm-hmm. <laughs> with the feathers. Oh, yeah. that guy. He was like in all black feathers. He was weird. He had feathers growing out of his head, which I quite liked. I really like how smart he was, and he's like, I'm not taking you, Are you fucking to the most yeah. place in the galaxy right now. No. No. Did you have a thing to say? No. No, I, I don't remember what it was. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stop No, it's okay. I would have paid double money to see a movie that was principally composed. Are you composed. paying no money? <laughs> I said would have. Would have. Would have. It's a hypothetical for God's okay, sakes. Okay. Um, Double zeros. To <laughs> fuck you. Um, to see a movie that was like comprised principally of more heists mm. because I really loved the heist a lot. I mean, give me a space heist movie and I'm Absolutely. happy. Absolutely. Like, okay. That's all I want. I want the next Star Trek movie to just be a space heist. Yes. Star Trek space heist. Yes. Yeah. Ninety minutes of that. I mm-hmm. I will pay double. What happened in the last Star Wars movie? The last one. Oh, yeah, that was Friendship is Magic. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, we are leading up to a heist. Mm. Yeah, so, like yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. We get some real great lines. Um, we get Scotty getting revenge on the guy who thinks that the Excelsior is going to kick the yes of the Enterprise, and that sequence was excellent, where it actually, it not only failed to go to warp, but it made the sort of choking out yeah. engine yeah. noise. Yeah, yeah. We might even have the same question. <laughs> what is the stick he was holding? Was that- what stick? Scotty? No, the guy on the other ship who is like, he wakes up disheveled in his bed and immediately goes to grab his pain stick or whatever that was. I don't know. And then is like, I'm carrying this space dildo onto the bridge. (laughs) I was going to say that uh, I adore Scotty in this mainly because he multiplies his estimates by four and I was like, yeah. Thank you. That yeah. is the way to do it. Yep. Why does no one know this? Yeah. Scotty, you're amazing. Yeah. This is a running joke that gets picked up again in, in uh, TNG. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah. okay, so there's a great moment in Star Trek Voyager where Belana Torres is like, she's like newly the like chief engineer or whatever, and she's like, I can have it done for you in four hours. And Janeway's like, okay, you can get it done in two hours. And she's like, no, I said four hours. I mean four hours. It's gonna take four hours. And it's, it's like this so complete subversion yeah. of the like I'm the god who can get it done faster because I estimated. She's like, no, it's gonna take this long. Yeah, and I love that. When Scotty has this conversation with Jordy and TNG, it's like right in the middle where Scotty's like, "What? You're actually gonna tell him how long it takes? <laughs> yeah. No. But, but how will they believe that you're a Superman? 
I don't understand what you're talking about. Also, it gives you no buffer for when things inevitably go wrong. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I do in my job is I do a lot of client communication regarding um, obtaining ad material. Mm. Clients are dicks. They never get back to you in time. And I always build in at least two days extra to follow up with people. And in this case, the one I'm just doing, I had four days extra and I still don't have all the material I need. Yep. (laughs) Story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So do we have anything else to add about this? Film question mark? Uh, I have a question about the Grissom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the fuck was with the design of the Grissom? Was the saucer section like floating independent of the nacelles? It's a different class. It I looked weird. It looked mm-hmm. like, a, like you could stick your hand through it. I've also got a question about the size of the Grissom versus the size of the Klingon ship. Because the Klingon ship and the Grissom, they look to be about the same size. The Klingon ship only has like 12 people on it. Is it understaffed or is it a 12 person ship? And I'm just thinking the scale is like they're quite small ships. Um, they're both, they call them a scout cra- scout class in the movie. But they're, yeah, they're a lot smaller than the Enterprise. What are you even Googling? Right, I'm looking up the class of the USS Grissom. It's an, <laughs> it's an Oberth class. And it was like a science ship, so yeah. it makes yeah. sense it's that a it's smaller. smaller? Ship. Yeah, okay, we see, we see yeah. sort of similar. I don't, I think they retire this class by the time we get to TNG, just like they retire the... The original Enterprise, which is Constitution class. Constitution Maybe it's because they keep getting blown up. Yeah, very possibly. But we see the other like little that was super science creepy. ships. He was weird. Like oh, I didn't. Yeah, I paper pusher guy. <laughs> yeah, this guy, the guy who forgot how to talk. Captain, yeah. the, Captain J T Esteban, who is the I captain w- of a science vessel, but doesn't understand how to science. Yeah, it, I don't it was, get I it. Feel I like, couldn't tell if it was like bad acting or if it was it was bad acting bad bad acting yeah Yeah. but i also feel like because he was a bad actor and his captain came off as kind of incompetent Mm -hmm. he was somebody who was promoted they went oh no we made a mistake (laughs) yeah shuffle him to that small ship Mm -hmm. where he can't do any damage and they're just flying around scanning shit Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he was terrible. Yeah. He was very bad. His pilot, however, because mm-hmm. there's some great reaction shots. Yeah. From yeah. Her. He was amazing. So good. Yeah. Real upset that she blew up. Yeah. yeah. Not concerned about anyone else. No. Um, okay. How did everybody feel watching the Enterprise blow up at the end? I was okay with it. <laughs> I'm always upset when the Enterprise blows up, but it wasn't like watching the D crash. No. Sleepy. I felt sleepy. <laughs> you always feel sleepy. That's sleepy. meaningless. Yeah, I think I think if I had been watching it at the time and all I had was original series, I think it would have been like a really like, oh, the Enterprise is gone. It would have been like a really it sad moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, like in terms of like your nice emotional arc, I thought that was really good. It yeah. looked impressive. Mm-hmm. It, it looked great. You know, it was very yeah. pretty to watch. It great. And this is again, it's like once you get to the end of the third movie, like, there's another Enterprise, of course. Mm. Like, we know that there's, like, at least four more. But, like, you get... It, it, it like, retroactively makes this slightly more upsetting because you're like, oh, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was a nice move to kind of destroy the home to save the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in terms of kind of, like, your themes going through that, I thought that was really good. And credible, there's there's some very credible special effects in this. Mm-hmm. I would oh, yeah. give that to the team mm-hmm. at work. Yeah. That looked, space station looked beautiful. Yeah. I'm yeah. so yeah. impressed. Yeah. It all looked fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? Yeah. Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. 
Give me a minute. Mm, I'm trying to think. Um, one of my favorite moments was uh, Bones attempting to nerve pinch someone. And yes. 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 Um, that conversation that Savick has with David when she realizes <gasps> that he fucked up, and yes! basically every conversation she has with them, yeah. with him up until the point he gets stabbed, is like, "Well, good job, fucko." <laughs> yes. I do like her. Okay. Yeah. I actually. Okay. I yes. really the liked. Swap. I, I really liked the recast, the actress who was playing Savick mm-hmm. this time, I really like her. <laughs> I like, Kareen, you did not? No. no she I, did look like Tina Fey, though, so yeah. I continually thought it was I Tina Fey doing a Vulcan right. impression. Oh my god, I would love Tina Fey to play a Vulcan. That, <laughs> that would be great. great. I feel like that was pretty much what we saw. Oh, mm. She'd be the Vulcan always trying to crack up everyone else on set and then never cracking herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dear Hollywood. I don't know. I enjoyed Savick in this one. I mean, she didn't have a lot to do, but nobody had a lot to do. Um, but I... And the thing that I really appreciated in this is in this one, they gave her proper Vulcan eyebrows. <laughs> because Christy Alley did not have proper Vulcan eyebrows. I'm sorry, I love those eyebrows. I have a question. Sure. So, when... David gets killed, which the murder itself, like even out of context, is quite violent and kind of like Except it happens it's behind off ambiguous. It's too, off like, screen. Yeah. But like the way that it the way that it's framed and stuff, it's like it's mm-hmm. not just like usually deaths in Star Trek are really fast. Yeah. This is get... like there's a really awkward looking scuffle, but then you see David's face and then you see the Klingon actually raise up the knife and drive it down. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was violent. There is a lot more like the the worm getting scooched to death yeah. and David getting like straight up stabbed, which mm-hmm. doesn't happen often. No, in Star Trek. not often. But I was wondering because Kirk foolishly tells the Klingons in an open channel that this is his son because yeah, he's a moron. Why would you say that? He's an idiot. Um, but like when he says, You've killed my son, you've killed my son, did he not tell anybody other than like I guess Bones probably knew, but did anybody else on the bridge know about David? Not based on their reaction. No. It's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Whoops, a daisy. Yeah. This, this kid that I've known for a month. So I'm not very attached, mind you, but still. I mean, he was. Was he? I mean, it doesn't, like, yeah, he's known him max two months, but I think it's as much. I think it's as much the whole, the life I could have had as Mm -hmm. David as a person, because, yeah, Mm -hmm. he can't have known him that well, but he was very affected when he found out about David. he's such a screw-up. He is. It's true, but so is Kirk. Yeah. Oh, no. Kirk is successful. (laughs) Kirk screws up. As in upwards. Fails upwards. Um, I think Kirk's reaction to David's death was just compounded on top of Spock's death. Yeah, he's already in a sure. real bad place. Yeah, because he's it's just like it's another like, death of someone who could have been very close to him. He could have had like that same sort of closeness to a son that he could have had with Spock. No, that came out <laughs> wrong. Close, like, emotionally. No, I mean, I'm not wrong, but... Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, like, family. <laughs> Thank you for the correct word. They're monsters. It's fine. <laughs> No, I stopped myself. I knew exactly what I was doing once I said it. So, um, I want to voice my appreciation for the excellent and hilarious image of Kirk fighting the Klingon because he takes off all of his layers. Like he takes off the leather jacket when they find Spock, and then and then he takes off his like his polyester suit jacket 
and like covers David. And then he has the final boss battle in a billowing pink bottle. <laughs> oh my shirt. god, yes. That's excellent. Like he even like it literally billows because the planet is exploding around them and there's like volcanic ash and wind and stuff, and he stands there on top of a rock with his arms akimbo. <laughs> so his pink floofy. his pink bell sleeves fluttering in the wind. <laughs> it was incredible. And he wears that. For like a whole other movie, oh they all have these same outfits. Oh, and the thing that I liked on Kirk's dress shirt that he was wearing for most of the time was that it had the this like gather <laughs> up to the neck. Yeah, those up, are pleats. Pinned. They're amazing pleats, and they were like buttoned up at the neck. Someone's like, so at loving the end, He's got it unbuttoned. And it's just sort of hanging there limply, and I'm like, that looks so sad. That is a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, that is a metaphor. Because what happens? They they all go down to the planet. They have to leave the Enterprise, and they end up like. They trick the Klingons into beaming everybody up onto the Klingon ship, and then they, like, trick them into boarding the Enterprise so that they can steal it. But they end up with just Kirk and Krug and Spock, who is unconscious, Mm. on the planet. And after Kirk beats Krug, he picks up Spock, and it's like, I've seen this romance novel cover in Mm -hmm. bookstores. It's (laughs) like, he picks him up, and, like, the way it's framed, it's just, we're not even trying to not... Do also, this. Who and in what universe thinks that William Shatner could pick up Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Nimoy is like five times bigger than Shatner. Yeah. Maybe Vulcan's souls are heavier like, than human ones. Nice ankle shots yeah. of Spock uh, to go on the romance novel when, thing. When he's lying the on the ground, billowing. When and... Kurt goes to pick him up, like the, the robe is like all the way yeah. to like right under he's, his butt. He's got a slit it's, like all the way up there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that happened. And they lived happily ever after in their bathrobes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bathrobes. There's tons of bathrobes. So yeah. many of them. Yeah, so what life lessons can we draw from oh this my God. film? Uh, this is a Russian roulette of pain. Kim? <laughs> uh, don't start with me. Sorry, <laughs> right, because I feel like you wrote it down. <laughs> No, I want to go last. Okay. <laughs> Elise? Um. Okay. Let's start with an easier question. Ari, what is your count? Uh, okay, so uh, 22 women. Five women with speaking parts. Uh, 17 people of color. Four people people of color with speaking parts. Okay. Uh, Kim, your count. Okay. 13 individuals. The crew of the Grissom that could range anywhere from... 12 people to 200, depending on how big the ship is, and then minus one death because Spock comes back to life. So, <laughs> Or does he? 12 and a bit. <laughs> Alright, what do you think is the overarching theme of this movie? Oh, actually, I know that one. <laughs> okay! <laughs> Sorry, if you Apparently there's the one, one right answer. Uh, Ari, you go ahead. Well, I know it because they say it over and over and over again. It's it's the reverse. You are and will ever be, be my, my friend. friend. Well, I mean, there's that too. It's like the whole found family thing. But it's also that, that, they, that Spock and Kirk, like, throughout the series, and certainly the movies are constantly having this argument back and forth. And it's that the good of the many is greater is more important than the good of the many outweighs the need of the fewer. Fewer the one. Yeah. But... They're always having these arguments back and forth, and, and Spock's is that you have to be logical rather than sentimental, and Kirk's is like, yeah, but if I wasn't, you know, choosing you over millions of people, I wouldn't be me, and I wouldn't be human, I wouldn't be doing the right thing. So, 
I don't know where it sort of comes down on that, but I know where the main characters and the movie comes down on it, certainly emotionally. And that is that you don't leave people behind, even if maybe it isn't the smart thing or the sensible thing or completely the ethical thing to do. Mm-hmm. You're still going to go back for them and you're still going to save them, even if it isn't, you know, in any way smart or wise. <laughs> Kim, what do you think the theme of the film was? Respect other cultures' burial rights. <laughs> <laughs> Elise? Ethics and science are important. <laughs> I think mine would be have a living will. <laughs> um, so, again, that's going to be my life lesson, too. <laughs> like, very clearly state what would you like at the event of your death to do with, like, your possessions, your bathrobes, your soul. Can you also include a thing in there where if you die, but then your body lands on a planet that's been regenerated through iffy science and you come back to life, what do we do then? Well, iffiest. Okay, that's actually, I want this question answered around the group. What? What Kim just said. What happens when my body gets regenerated? If you can be put back in your body after death, do you want to be? Well, not if my body sucks. But if you've been, like, regenerated to the same age, well, if I'm, I mean, If I'm regenerated to the same age as when I die, no. If I come back in my 20s, hell yes. <laughs> I wasted my 20s. I want them back. Elise? I mean, sure, why not? I mean... But I think we then get back into that question of, is this another living thing? Yeah, I know. Like, because am, am I a lich? Am I a lich? Right? Like, if you're killing a clone me to put, yeah. like, original me back in, like, it gets, it gets kind of hazy. Like, if it never wakes up first. Yeah. No. See, this is the thing, because it doesn't really make a lot of... Well, we don't actually know what causes it. They did a McGregor movie about that, didn't they? The Island. Yeah. It was stupid, and it well, pissed me off. Well, well it, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If... if it, <laughs> she had no answer for it. <laughs> a lot of science pissed me off, but I can also forgive a lot more than most people, so I think it balances out. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to, like, be put back in a clone, I don't think. I certainly wouldn't want to come back in, like, an android and live forever. If it could be like, I'd be cool with that. Well, it depends on the android, right? Because you don't want to completely lose the things that, and this is very Star Trek sort of thing to say, but the things that make you human. Like, are they just the squishy parts? Is it completely like the energy of your consciousness? We don't actually know what causes that. So I would want that. I would want Iron that first. I want yeah, that science. Like, is like... it still going to feel like me, or is it going to be like me without my impulses? Because I, I, you know, those are kind of important to who you are. Mm. Uh, if I could be, like, regenerated 20 years before when I die. It also depends how I die. Mm. Like, if I die traumatically, maybe. If I die of old age, no, it's fine. Mm. You, you basically did everything but answer the actual question. What, whether I'd want to be put back in? Yes. In I just a regenerated said. body. In a regenerated body? If it's a situation like Spock's and I can be sure that there isn't another sentence already growing in there, yeah, sure, fine. Mm-hmm. Plus, Vulcans live way longer than I'm ever going to. Mm. Fair enough. We're getting back to life lesson. Mm-hmm. You've had time to think about it. I answered it already. Well, what was yours? That was the theme of the movie. It's the same thing. Theme is not the same as a life lesson. Well, my it's the same as my oh, life lesson. Oh, I thought that was my life lesson because yeah. my life lesson is respect other cultures' burial rights. <laughs> anyway. Lighting and cinematography are important for context. <laughs> did we talk about Nimoy directing this? Oh, no, yeah! Didn't. He directed it. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Well? Question mark? Better than the first one. Yeah. yeah. Definitely better than the first one. It was a good looking film. Leave no man behind even if you have to hijack a starship. Whose performance of the episode then? Uh, Mark Lennard. Wow. 
Okay. I like Mark Lennar. Yeah. The man has like a stateliness. He Sarek plays Sarek. Ah, he always plays Sarek. Also, that mind-melding scene was <laughs> deeply erotic. I really appreciate when actors who only play certain characters occasionally really get seriously fucking into the role. Mm. Like, yeah. Mark Lennard is Sarek a lot, but he's never like Sarek for a long time at any given time, but he always comes back and he's given it 110% every time. Yeah, a performance of the episode Elise. Come back to me? If any. Okay, performance of the episode, Kim. Yes, 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 yes. Shatner! (laughs) Shatner! (laughs) But that's only sort of like by default, because nobody else was really given much to work with, I think. I think... No, like, I'm like, Mm. Mark Lennard, who doesn't love Mark Lennard? I really like the actress who played Savick. I thought she did a better job than Christy Alley with being a Vulcan, but... The best emotional performance, etc., came from Shatner. I'm gonna say Bones because I really enjoyed all the way. Yeah, I enjoyed all of his performances. They were very like there was eye acting and like just waving, and it was delightful. Yeah. All right. I said Divorce Kelly all the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. And his ascot. (laughs) Performance of the episode for all four of us to the ascot. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely the best. Yeah. Best Supporting Actor. (laughs) Hey listeners, which is a title I bestow on you because you are, after all, still listening to me speak. If you like us, like Star Trek, like the show, or any combination of the three, do us a favor and subscribe to and rate us on iTunes so that other people can like us too. You can also tweet about us or tumble about us or whatever verb word that describes the social media platform of your choice. If it helps, we both like and appreciate you. You're just going to start off a yawn change <laughs> just before you press record. Well, I already did, so. All right, well, I guess we all failed that second half test. <laughs> <laughs> we did! That's part of a psychopath test? Yeah, it's an yawn? empathy. It's a test of empathy. That we all failed. <laughs> or a lot of us just have no empathy for ours. <laughs> Well, that's nice.